0: Welcome to King's River Life's Mystery Rats Maze Podcast, where we share with you mystery short stories and first chapters of mystery novels read by local actors. This episode features the prologue and first chapter of Last Liar Standing by L. Wong. It's read by local actor Molly Hang. Last Liar Standing was published in June of 2022 by Red Adept Publishing. If you'd like to help support this podcast, listen for details in the closing of this episode on how to become a patron and get some fun perks.
1: The average person has 13 secrets right now. That's all I can think about as I step through the double doors of this rundown motel. Its lobby looks like something straight out of the 1960s with faux wood paneling and marmalade orange armchairs. I clutch my bag tightly and cringe at the peeling shreds of outmoded wallpaper. There is a uniformed woman crammed behind a cluttered desk, some sort of makeshift reception counter. She morphs her glossy red lips into a strained smile and flashes it in my direction, but the only thing I can focus on is her exhausted expression. She resumes sorting through a mess of documents before I attempt a weak grin in return. A quick scan of the remaining area tells me that I am not alone. My shoulders creep up as I count the guests inside. Not just a few, either. Ten others wait to check in. Why is it so crowded? My entrance garners more than a couple curious glances and I immediately glue my eyes to the tiled floor. Of the odd assortment of guests, many are seated in pleather swivel chairs scattered across the room. A forty-something woman in the blue dress perches on the sole sofa as a conspicuously older gentleman snoozes behind her. Are they... together? Sinking into the puffy, upholstered fabric is tempting after the long drive here but i decide to stand in line regardless. I take my place behind a petite woman with two enormous Louis Vuitton suitcases. She could probably fit inside her own luggage. She smacks her gum over the elevator music humming in the background. I stifle an eye roll and silently hope that the line starts moving soon. When it finally does, The woman struggles with the handle of her larger bag. It's jammed. Just as I think about offering assistance, a middle-aged man in khaki pants and loafers jumps up to help. She thanks him in a chirpy voice and moves on. He looks her up and down, adjusting the groin area of his dockers before finally breaking a creepy stare. I don't even bother to suppress my eye roll this time. Across the lobby, a young couple argues. Though their words are inaudible, their body language is unmistakable. It sends chills down my spine. He grabs her wrist, his knuckles turning bone white before she pries her arm from his grasp and whispers something in a hushed tone. I look away and try desperately to shake off the thought threatening to detonate my composure. When I glance back toward them, the woman is turned away, facing the window. Her skin glistens with tears and snot in the murky reflection. Bark-cloth curtains frame another window on the left side of the room. It was still dark outside when I parked, but a vivid sunrise is rapidly illuminating the sky. A flurry of color floods the horizon. Wicked splashes of orange, yellow, and rose. I watch briefly before turning my attention back to the line in front of me. My heartbeat quickens when I realize that I am still at the end of it. This is taking too long. I practice slow inhalations like Dr. Flynn taught me. But this place reeks of cigarette smoke. I inevitably fixate on an incessant clicking sound and find myself scouring the room for its source. My shoulders drop when I identify the noise. A teenager tapping his thumbs rhythmically against a bright phone screen. I wonder if he's composing a text or playing a game. Maybe. He's stalking an ex on social media. We accidentally lock eyes, and I immediately look away. Letting my gaze linger for a moment feels too risky. I can't afford to be seen here, let alone recognized. I fish a pair of jet black aviators out of my purse and throw them on like a mask. The average person has 13 secrets right now. This is what I think about while my anxious stare lands on the far wall. Aged photographs hang in mahogany frames, and a faded travel poster reads, How to stay safe on your vacation. Safe is such a relative term. I have not felt safe in as long as I can remember. When someone enters the lobby, my paranoia instantly swells. I try and fail to steady each breath. As I fidget with my car keys, I wonder if any of the other guests are harboring secrets as dark as mine. Are they on the run too? I wonder if they can see the fear leeching through my skin. Do my shaky hands give me away, most of all? I wonder if anyone in this motel knows what I've done. The worst thing about paranoia is its relentless amplification. It gradually takes on a monstrous life of its own until the fear consumes every thought, dictates every action. Some might call it an obsession, but I detest the connotations of that word. This is no impassioned fixation or compulsion. The chaos in my head stems from veritable trauma. This paranoia has become my own personal demon. It's the reason my heart has not stopped racing since I left home. It's the reason that I keep glancing over my shoulder as I check into another no-name motel in this tiny Nevada town, about an hour south of the bustling boulevard known as The Strip. As the young front desk clerk bends down to fetch a pair of keys, I realize that we are finally the only two people left standing in this tiny lobby. No one is here. And this is exactly what I need right now. To be off the grid. To say that I feel exhausted would be the understatement of my hellish year. I have been driving for hours without so much as a quick bathroom break at some sketchy gas station. My shirt is stained with layers of sweat and smells vaguely of Swiss cheese. Once I pry open the door to my room, I spot a large spider crawling across the wall inside. Though I would normally bristle, i drop my bags and look the other way. I need a hot shower. And rest. Physical discomfort has become my new normal. Even after a rinse in the disappointing stream of lukewarm water, and a clean change of clothes, my skin crawls with inerasable memories memories that cannot be washed off. I lie in bed and try to recall what it feels like to crave sleep, to actually look forward to it instead of dreading it with every fiber of my being. It's nearly impossible to settle on a position. Comfort is out of the question, but I would give just about anything for a semblance of relief. I writhe around on the motel bed to no avail. Part of me wants to blame it on this cheap mattress, but the other part knows better. I never exactly got a formal diagnosis. Understandably so. The doctor was hesitant to prescribe me too many medications during our initial appointment. I stole a glance at her pad as she stood up to get me a glass of water. Insomnia? Anxiety-prone? Clinically depressed? The list went on. I tried to do things above board, but it was far easier just to procure the pills myself. I resisted taking them at first, I really did. The prospect of forming a dependency, of taking the wrong dosage, paralyzed me. I had already witnessed the horrible side effects of pill popping firsthand friends falling prey to the addictive cycle, patients losing touch with the physical world. Will I reduce myself to a cautionary tale? I decided it was best to refrain for the indefinite future. Until one vicious, gut-wrenching night. The kind that comes out of nowhere and shakes you to your core. It felt like my heart, beating and bloody, was being ripped straight from my chest. I could barely breathe or whisper. Air was inaccessible, and every word was locked inside my shivering chest. I feel that familiar sense of unease tonight. It starts as a tiny bud, a mere inkling, but it will soon bloom into something bigger, a force that I won't be able to face alone. I sit up and fish anxiously through my cluttered bag until I find an orange plastic bottle. Seconds later, I dry-swallow three pills and settle back into bed. But before I fall into an inevitable slumber, I swear I can hear people whispering on the other side of that door. I am already reviewing a mental list before my room comes back into focus the next morning. Just because I'm in a chemically-induced haze doesn't mean that I have forgotten why I came here. At this point, the plan is ingrained in my brain. All week, I have rehearsed like an actor, memorizing lines. I can't afford to mess anything up. As I strip off my night clothes, I catch an unwanted glimpse of myself in the mirror. Fortunately, my diverted glance garners little more than a pale spark of flesh and violet veins. I feel thick stubble in the hollow of armpits and realize it has been far too long since my last shave. A razor. I should add that to the list. After tossing my cell phone on the sink's edge, I hop into the shower. The warm rush of water feels foreign at first. Other than the quick rinse last night, this is my first proper wash in four days. Such a bold transgression would have been unthinkable in my past life. Lately, though, personal hygiene has been the last thing on my frantic mind. I twist open a plastic bottle of motel shampoo and glob it into my unruly mess of dark hair. The formula smells sickly sweet, like one of those cluttered perfume shops in the corner of a crowded mall. Those stores used to give me headaches. Nasty ones that would linger for hours. I hated the perky salespeople who would spritz customers with their best-selling scents without permission. The water pressure is much stronger this time, a welcome change from the tepid trickle I encountered last night. I scrub every inch of skin until it turns raw. Then I let the hot water run over my shoulders, begging it to undo the knots in my burrowing neck. It fails to do the job. I step out of the tub and pat across the strategically placed hand towel I MacGyvered into a bath mat. Leaving damp footprints in my wake, I bend over and start to towel dry my sopping strands. While I'm distracted by several split ends, a surge of blood rushes to my brain. A sudden, tinny noise makes me whip around. My breathing quickens, though I feel utterly stupid when I realize what the sound is. My phone, vibrating against the ceramic sink. I give the text a read, until it sends shivers down my spine. Then I chuck my phone onto the bed. This constant jumpiness started recently. Growing up, I was always the calm one in my shifting group of friends. My college roommates used to see it as a challenge. They would take turns trying to scare me, jumping out from dark corners and grabbing my shoulders or slapping me on the back before I swallowed my food. A subtle smile spreads across my lips, half cynical, half somber, as I think about the person I used to be. A plucky child, a bright student, and a promising... (sighs) It doesn't matter anymore, this is who I have become.
0: This reading of Last Liar Standing was produced by Kings River Life and directed by Lori Lewis Ham. You can learn more about the author on her website, daniellemwong.com. If you'd like to help us be able to continue to bring you more mystery fun, check out our Patreon page at patreon.com slash kingsriverlife. Even $1 a month can make a difference and we really could use your support. Watch for even more great perks coming soon for our patrons. We also have some cool merchandise available on Redbubble. Check the show notes for the link and for the links to our websites and social media. Subscribe to our podcast to make sure you don't miss a single episode and subscribe to our podcast newsletter for bonus content. And if you enjoy this episode, please rate or review it as this helps make us easier for others to find. And of course, be sure to tell your friends. Until next time, This is your announcer wishing you a life full of mystery.